podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. You're listening to the Paddock Blues Podcast. You can find us on our link tree at linktr.ee forward slash paddockblues. Or you can email us at paddockblues at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Hello and welcome to the Paddock Blues Podcast. I'm Andy, and tonight I'm joined by one of our fearless leaders, Mr. Paul Brown, and making his Paddock Blues debut all the way from across the pond, Mr. Brandon Hurt. First of all, Paul, how are we, mate? Yeah, I'm good, mate. All, all good. You? Yeah, yeah, keeping well, mate. It's uh, nice to be enjoying an international break for a change without worrying about uh, wherever and are in the league. It's uh, It's been probably about three years since I've had a relaxing international break. So yeah, we're flying, aren't we? Continue. We're absolutely flying. 535 days since we were this far away from the relegation zone, so we'll take it. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I'm making this debut, as I said. Brandon, thanks for joining us. How are we, pal? Yeah, doing good. How are you, Andy? Yeah, yeah, I'm good, mate. I'm good. Just uh, what we on Wednesday. Um, yeah, looking forward to getting this weekend out of the way and then back to the real stuff when uh, we play Man United in... What is it? It's on the Sunday now, isn't it? Because they moved it. But yeah, so anyway, when we get a new guest on the show, we just asked them pretty straightforward, Brandon. Why Everton? <laughs> well, uh, my, my reason for supporting Everton now has kind of evolved from the time I was initially introduced to them in 2008. But uh, I support, started supporting Everton in 2008, uh, was working at a little summer camp through college and, and uh, was friends with a girl who happened to be from Southport and wasn't really too much into soccer or football at the time. Um, probably had only watched a handful of Premier League games and uh, made the mistake of wearing a Chelsea Drogba jersey around her. I think it was my only football top at the time. Uh, and one day I made the mistake of wearing that. And um, as you can imagine, she didn't let that fly. She, was this, she wasn't going to let that happen. Uh, so uh, that summer after she got back, back home, uh, about a month later in the mail, I got my first Everton top and didn't really have a choice but to – to support Everton from that time on. And um, it was all downhill from there, really. Excellent. So, so when did you first make the journey over to, to watch Everton at Goodison? My, my first trip over was uh, 2015, February 2015. And uh, it was actually for the Derby, quite a quite a first, first match to be over for. Uh, the Goodison Derby, uh, unfortunately, ended 0-0. Uh, so left a lot to be desired in that sense, but... Uh, that was my first time over. We got to lock, knock a lot of the, the cool things out um, that should be on every Evertonian's bucket list for the first pilgrimage. Uh, did like the Goodison tour with uh, Graham Stewart was doing them at the time. So that was pretty sweet. Got to meet and talk to him and uh, went and saw Finch Farm at Jimmy Martin and saw the kit room and what all goes into that. And, you know, the work that he put in um, and then, you know, dinner, did a little dinner question and answer with Graham Sharp and, uh, went and checked out an under-21 match at High Gav and met Duncan Ferguson. So doing all those things and checking all that stuff off of the checklist, our first trip really freed up some some time to mix it in with the locals on every trip after that, which was nice, just getting that getting that important stuff out of the way the first time. So, yeah, so obviously um, our listeners probably won't know this, but me and Brandon are actually good friends. He's not just been invited on randomly tonight. And, yeah, so – how me and Brandon actually became friends was uh, Brandon. I don't think you do Twitter anymore, but he, when he got married, the favors that sit on top of the cake were 
obviously the bride was stood up and the groom was sat down leaning back against the bride watching the TV with Team Kale punching a corner flag. Mm-hmm. And um, I just messaged Brandon saying, like, that's the best thing I've ever seen like, at a wedding. And we just got talking from there. And then it wasn't too long after Brandon was coming over to the UK. Uh, we got chatting and said that we'd arranged to meet up for a beer. And then I offered to pick you up from the airport from Manchester to get you over to Liverpool to save you paying a taxi. And then obviously you and your lovely wife were worried that I was an axe murderer, like, and uh, you weren't going to weren't going to see too much of the rest of your trip but then yeah so we just did it off from there but one of the things that's um i've always really admired about you brendan is that like you love for everton obviously it starts off something quite simple you get an everton jersey off of friends um but you really like immerse yourself in like learning about everton and history and not just that but the city of liverpool as well where does that come from? Is that like a, an American thing or is it yourself that likes to learn everything about, you know, you know, what they committed their emotions to? Yeah, it's definitely not an American thing. Uh, I've only ran into a handful of Everton supporters out in the wild over here, but uh, I think my first, it, it's kind of, a, it's kind of hard for me to really put into words, but I think my first real sense of Everton as a football club and, and, you know, the Scousers and their demeanor, um, kind of similar to how we met my, in 2015, my first trip over, uh, just meeting uh, my, my friend Ben on social media and uh, just keeping in touch with him before, you know, you've kind of taken his place because he's older and not as much fun. But, uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I was just like, hey, me and Sharonica are getting ready to come over. Uh, he's like, cool, just give me the dates and I'll grab you. Like you said, just save the, the taxi fare and just, you know, that alone, two people saying that you know, is, is kind of off the wall. Like that just wouldn't happen in America where, you know, a supporter of the Cowboys or whoever would be like, Hey, let me grab you from the airport and let's grab a pint. But, um, so Ben, you know, grab us from Manchester airport, which is an hour, hour and a half away, depending on traffic, which just, just that initially is, is just says volumes about the people of Liverpool and, um, you doing the same time and time again. Um, uh, and, and just him, you know, offering to take us into town and show us around that first trip and, he, he actually picked me up from the airport and uh, um, I guess he didn't really like the way my hair was styled. I'm not sure why, because I think pretty highly of my appearance, but uh, he was like, we got to get you into a barber. And I was like, man, I'm not really trying to go into the barber on, on my vacation. Like I'm trying to drink some beer and go watch Everton and have some fun. And uh, he was like, nah, I'm going to get you in with this guy uh, called Cutthroat Pete. And uh, he, he cuts all the Everton players hair, you know, Ross Barkley, John Stones, all those guys. And, I was thinking to myself, like, yeah, I'm sure somebody with that client list is going to really make room from some random random guy sliding in, into his messages. And, and he was like, no, nah, just tell him you're over from America here to watch Everton and you love country music because he does, too. And uh, I, I sent the message not expecting to hear anything back. And, and about three hours later, uh, Pete messaged me back and he's like, yeah, can you do Tuesday at three? And I was like, are you serious? Like, dang, it's pretty cool. So, uh, you know, just just the the overall just the you know um just the demeanor and, and the the willingness to go out of their way that uh people from the city have and just always felt welcome and kind of like a family not a, not only with everton but just people on the street just always you know just more than more than kind and always going out of their way um and it's not only the obvious love for everton but also like i said the people of liverpool and the relationships that i've made each trip over they keep us coming back. Uh, I think we've been over like five or six times now since 2015. So 
Uh, I'm probably the only Yank that's that's been to England five times and never even set foot in in London. <laughs> and no, desi- no desire to really. Every time every time we get ready to go, you know, people from work are asking where you're going, and I'm like, oh, we're going to spend ten days in in England, and they're like, oh, you're going to to London, and I'm always like, nah, <laughs> not really. Um, how did you uh, how, how did you cope with the accent when you first came over with the uh, Scouts accent? You struggle. It, was, it I mean. It wasn't. It wasn't too bad. It was enough for me to understand. But yeah. uh, just from talking to to Ben and Andy on the phone beforehand, and just kind of well, not Andy, but talking to Ben beforehand. All it really takes is, is is one trip over, and I mean, you, you get used to it. And uh, we brought Leighton over in May for his first trip, and he had to ask a couple times. He's seven. He had to ask a couple times. Uh, what did she say? You know, <laughs> yeah. and, uh, but, but by the time, you know, 10 days later, he was, he was pretty used to it and pretty independent on the, in that sense. But that moves on quite nice actually. Cause like, um, so late in seven, you've got another son as well. How old is he? Uh, he is three, three. And what's he called? Uh, <laughs> Coleman, Leighton and Coleman. Coleman. That's amazing. Leighton and okay. Coleman. Yeah, mate. So obviously, uh, and it's not by chance they are laying back the two of the greatest fullbacks that we've had, Leighton Baines and Seamus Coleman, um, and they're both absolutely Everton mad as well. Um, how did you get that one past uh, Sharonica to name your kids I kind of eased her in with the naming. We had a cat named Duncan uh, when we first got together. Uh, of course, after Duncan Ferguson, but. So that kind of set the tone after that. Once she agreed to Duncan, I was like, we just got to keep the uh, keep the Everton team going. And uh, obviously, like you said, Leighton Baines and Seamus Coleman and and just both of them embodying everything that you would want someone that you're raising to be both on and off the pitch. Just the utmost professional uh, people that you can that you can imagine being with your club. So, um, yeah. But, yeah, they are absolutely Everton mad, especially Leighton. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, my cat's called Timmy after Tim Kale, but uh, I'm not too sure. I mean, I've not got any children, but I think I might struggle to get that past somebody. But hey, I'm single, so I don't need to worry about that right now. So, uh, Paul, have you uh, have you named any of your <laughs> your beloved pets after Everton players? Yeah, I'm no, I'm not a. I've no no dogs or cats or nothing. Um, never really been a animal person. I have to be honest, probably loads of people are gonna switch off now. I'm not really an animal person, so. No, uh, no pets with a uh, funny Everton names, but I did have a mate who had a, a sharp A dog, and his her name it was actually a, a girl was Cahill. That's what he called her. So, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm sure there's plenty of us out there that have got uh, pets named after our favorite animals. But yeah, two kids, Leighton and Coleman, and they are both absolute little legends. They're both. Uh, the that's commitment, that though, to call you two lads, Leighton and Coleman. I mean. That's there's your credentials as an Evertonian straight away. I mean, no one can dare to question your loyalty to uh, to Everton Football Club. There, that's that's amazing. A couple of years ago, we ran into uh, Seamus before the match, and we told him and got like a little miniature, you know, infant Coleman kit signed by him, and he was just like taken back, like you're really naming your kid after me. And then, I mean, he's so soft spoken anyway. Like, yeah. like he just I honestly didn't have words, and I'm just sitting here staring at a a mural of Leighton Baines and Seamus Coleman when Baines scored that goal in Europa League that I've got hung right in between their room where Seamus is kissing Leighton on the cheek. But, uh, but yeah, just uh, I was winding her up a little bit when we found out that she was pregnant with Coleman. And I was like, I mean, obviously we got to stick with the Everton theme. How do you feel about Yakubu or, you know, Marilyn? Or... <laughs> yeah. 
And we, we just pulled yeah. up a list. And, uh, <laughs> you were telling us before that you're, uh, one of your favorite Evan players is Maggie Gay. So if you have a little girl, you can call it Maggie. <laughs> Maggie, yeah. <laughs> um, so is your, wife, yeah. Is, your, is your wife a big Evertonian as well, then? Yeah, yeah, she is. She's been yeah. with me, you know, every trip over. Um, she's a big fan of the Belgians. Uh, love, love Lukaku, love Fellaini, love Morales. I uh, just told her to stop picking a favorite player because those players always end up leaving us. So just don't tell anybody who your favorite player is and uh, maybe we'll be able to yeah. hang on to them. But. Stay away, yeah, <laughs> stay away I, from Onana. Right. Yeah, I, yeah. yeah, the Belgians. Just leave the Belgians alone. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I hope you can't stand Derek Brantway anyway. That's my take yeah. on that one. Um, but uh, obviously, the guys that are listening to this at the moment, you can't see, but obviously, I can see in Paul's room, he's got, he's always got lots of like really class Everton memorabilia in there. And I know, Brandon, you collect a lot of shirts. Um, you always sending me some stuff, like you see something on eBay and you're like, what's this? When's this from? Like, you know, uh, how many shirts are you up to now? So I just, uh, Last week, I actually got the third, this year's third kit with Brantwaite on the back, and I think that brought me up upwards of sixty now. So, wow, got a 60. got a decent decent little collection going. Uh, early nineties. Just run through. Yeah, just run through a few of the names that you've got on the back of your shirt. <laughs> oh man, uh, got a signed Thomas Gravison. Got a, a McBride. And then I've got some on the other end of the spectrum. We've got a Velios in there and a Shane Duffy. But, you know, at the moment, those seem like good ideas because I'm, I'm, I'm kind of a uh, instinctive person. And, you know, Velios bangs a goal in and I've been wanting the shirt for that year. And, you know, next thing I know, I just spent 100 bucks on somebody who will only appear for the club <laughs> a couple more times. But yeah. so I stopped getting players on the back of the shirt, just like I told my wife to stop picking her favorite players. <laughs> <laughs> So what about yourself, Paul? Like, obviously, in terms of Everett memorabilia, like, what is it that you like to collect? Do you like, do you like collecting replica shirts, or is it more like abstract things that you like to go for? Yeah, I'm more into me um, photos at the moment, like uh, frame and stuff. I don't, no, obviously, no one can see it, but I've got Everton photos behind me and stuff like that. I, uh, I'm a big fan of flags as well. I do like uh, the odd flag. I'm not really a shirt collector. I used to be when I was a kid, but um, I think my mum was having a clear out once, and she threw a few of my shirts out and then she sort of killed me enthusiasm for it. <laughs> so I couldn't get them back. But Jamie was on the pod. He's, he's a big collector of shirts and Melinda as well. They uh, they loved it. They did all retro shirts and stuff like that. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah my buddy Chris, who is from Liverpool and actually lives in Rowan or Richmond now, uh, I'm always sending him the ones that I grab online. And he's like, where do you keep fucking finding these? And I'm like, every morning and every night, I'm just, you know, searching vintage Everton. Like, because that stuff goes fast, like the good stuff at least. So uh, just always being on the lookout and ready to spend however much money people are wanting for it. But I recently got into uh, cards too. Uh, so Leighton's been really into collecting like, uh, you know, Everton uh, cards and things like that. So. That's yeah. the newest addition to the collection, but. So obviously me and Paul, only by a few years, but we're a little bit older than you and we've supported Everton since birth. So we obviously, when we talk, think about our Everton memories and things like that, we're going back a little bit further. Um, so I'll come to you in a sec, Brandon, uh, and I'll be asking you the same question just to give you a chance to think about it. But Paul, who's your favourite Everton player since you started following the club and, and, and what are the reasons why? My favourite... Everton player is Tim Cale. Uh, he just epitomised everything. He was Australian, but he was he had a scout's heart. If that makes any sense, 
Kangaroo. Yeah, he's everything that we wanted in a player. He, he would have died on the pitch for Everton. Don't think that's you know it might sound a bit dramatic that as well, but he just left everything out on the pitch, and he he also put, used to uh, put one up Liverpool every now and then. He he was one of the few players that actually showed up in the derby most of the time, whereas a lot of them would just shrink and go into the shell. He he was actually up for the fight. Duncan Ferguson's another one. Um, but the best player I've ever seen in my time at Everton, the best is Andre Kincelskis. So Andre Kincelskis is the best, but Tim Cahill is my favourite. Yeah, no, excellent. And so obviously you you would have caught towards the end of Cahill's career when you first started following uh, us, Brandon, and um, obviously you would have not really had a chance to see Kincelskis, but I'm sure you'll have seen highlights. But who's your favourite player since you've been following us? I feel like you're setting me up here, Andy. I feel like you're asking me to pick my favorite child. <laughs> <laughs> I hope Leighton and Coleman never listen to this, but uh, um, I would have to say Leighton Baines. Just I grew I, when I first started supporting Everton. Of course, Tim Cahill was in his prime, so he was also a big reason of why you know I am the Everton supporter I am today. But uh, as far as you know, favorite, it's got to be Leighton Baines, and just just the fact that that comfort and knowing. Every match we we would watch, you know, no matter what the scoreline was, if we can just win a free kick, and it seemed like any anywhere in the attacking half, if we had a free kick, you know, down two one in the ninety second minute, like this, there's a good chance this, this thing's hitting the back of the net. So, um, and of course his his play elevated everybody else around him. I think, and uh, yeah, I just love knowing the fact that we were never really out of a match with him on the field, um, never missed a penalty. Remember, do you, yeah. Do you remember the two free kicks he scored against West Ham? Yeah, and there's, yeah. there's a funny vid. There's a funny video where he's he's lining up the second one, and it looks into the crowd, and there's like five West Ham fans with the back to goal because they're thinking he's going to score again. I mean, yeah. there's not many players who can put a free kick down, and it's basically like a penalty. Yeah, you get what I mean. So yeah, class and the, class the one the one against Chelsea too in the cup was yeah. Yeah, yeah, but uh, but yeah, just just no, never feeling like we were really out of the match if he was on the pitch. All we got to do is win a free kick and we're right back in it. So, how about you, Andy? Yeah, well, uh, there's not much I can say in terms of um, who my favorite player is because it's Tim Kale, and the reasons are for every reason you said, like you know, he, he epitomizes somebody who maximizes every ounce of his talent. Um, and I used to, I used to find myself watching him when I went watching Everton. So, like the amount of goals he got arriving in the box wasn't a fluke. He'd do it fifteen times, and he'd never moan when the ball doesn't come through to him. He'd just turn round, run back, get into position, and then the sixteenth time he makes that run, it falls through him, and he taps it in. It, it, you know, he wasn't lucky. He, he worked extremely hard for everything that he got out of the game, and uh, and like you say. Um, he, he showed up every single game for Everton and, and just gave it his all. Um, but the best player I've ever seen uh, is actually Gareth Barry. I thought, I'd, until he, I always thought he was a good player, but I didn't appreciate how good he was until yeah, he played yeah. for us. And his positional sense and use of the football, it was immaculate. Um, and we got him at 32, but I honestly think for a couple of years, he was just, off, I, I, honestly, I thought he was at another level to anything I've ever seen on a football pitch at Everton. But, yeah, I used to watch Gareth Barry for England before he played for Everton, and I used to think, why did he keep picking him? And then he he signed yep. for Everton, and it wasn't until you'd actually seen him playing for your team, I agree with you, you yep. think, well, what a, what a player he is. Yeah, he should have won something on that team, shouldn't he? You know, not the Kale, Coleman, Baines, Pina, Arteta. 
He should have. They really should have won something that team. It's a yeah, shame, I think really. We always struggled, didn't we, to get a dependable fit striker? You know, we had Jakubi for a season, and he picked up his Achilles. Louis Sahar was different class, but keeping him consistently fit. You kind yeah. of think if you'd have, if you'd have picked up a, a prime Lukaku or a prime Calvert Lewin, yeah. and popped him into that team. I can't. You, you, you'd have to have thought that we would have. We'd have definitely won something. But well, we thought we got just... Jelovic, didn't we? We thought we crapped it with Jelovic, and then something happened months, there. Yeah. We don't know. yeah, so we can always blame it on Pinar leaving us too, and that could have been the year, you know, that we won it. But <laughs> yeah. yeah, we got him back six months later. To be fair, didn't we? Was it six months or eighteen months? A year, a year. It was January. Yeah, it was a year. Yeah. Um. But yeah, no, thanks for that. So, but obviously, sorry, Brandon, you said uh, obviously um, Baines is your favourite. Who's the best you've ever seen? Would it be Baines again or is there somebody else? Man, the quality, the quality that Lukaku brought us, I think we're missing. Like, if we could have held on to Lukaku, I think that, that that's, I mean, Dominic Calvert-Lewin's playing great right now, but just the strength that Lukaku had and, and his power and I think that overall best player, I think I'd have to go with with Ron, but big Ron. Why not throw another player into the another player into the mix? That could be the best I've never seen who actually played for Everton. James Rodriguez. Yeah, but none of us actually got to see none of us actually got to see him playing for Everton in person. So because there was like there was one game, wasn't there, where like I think they were there was like like four thousand fans in. Yeah, that's it. Against Wolves, but then he never played, did he? Yeah, I was. I was. Yeah, I. I got a ticket for that game. You had to go on a ballot for the game. It was during COVID, and I was like, "I'm finally going to get to see Hammers." And I think the night before, he failed the fitness test. So, in typical yeah. Everton fashion, it got snatched away from me at the last moment. Yeah, I'd have loved to have seen. It. I mean, for six months, he was unreal. He did seem to kind of lose his passion towards the end, didn't he, at that season? But my God, he could do some special things with the football. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so we're moving away from kind of the past into the present. Um, Paul, I'll come to you first, mate. Who's your current favourite Everton player who's playing in the squad right now? Current favourite Everton player is probably Carl Loon. Yeah, I am the president of the DCL fan club, as everybody knows. Um, yeah. I'm Melinda can't take that away from yeah, Melinda's not here, so we can take a, yes. a poll of who the president is, and you'll win today, Paul. And that's the yeah, problem. Just for anyone, just for Melinda, say uh, they're all they're both bowing down to me at the moment as the president. Like, but uh, <laughs> no, it's just uh, yeah. I've always liked Carvalho, Luna. he's he's got he's something special about him. Always, I've thought I've always thought the criticism from certain fans has just been, but his extracurricular activities has just been over the top completely. You know. He's a good-looking lad who likes to model. Leave him alone as long as he's doing well on the pitch. Who cares? But I'd say, yeah, me, he's probably my current favourite Everton player. How about yourself, Brendan? Uh, it's between two, and I know what your answer will be, so I'll go with the other. Uh, I'll go with Onana. I think just the way that he commands commands the midfield, can come from behind with his nine-foot legs and just take the ball off of somebody from three feet behind him. Um, and just, just the way he dictates the midfield, I think, is doing a lot for us this year. Um, so yeah, the current favorite player definitely Onana for me. But out of interest, who do you think? Who did, who did you think I was going to say? I think I'll go with Brent Branthwaite, but yeah, we'll I was I was thinking that. No, Calvert Lewin again. I'm just yeah. like I'm just stealing off Paul tonight. I can't be. <laughs> I've not, not got independent thought. I'm just living through him. But no, I've always been a huge fan of Calvert Lewin. Um, I love the way he conducts himself as a as a as a human being. 
he's properly invested himself to Everton. He he wanted that number nine jersey. He wanted to earn it, uh, and he has. And yeah, um, I am a big. Obviously, I I talk wax lyrical about Bramfrey quite a lot. Um, but no, Calvert Lewin for me, he's, he's my uh, my current favourite player. I was going to say I did want to say Vitaly Mikolenko because. Uh, Brandon sent me a message earlier on the season, give like proper talent ah. <laughs> into Mikolenko, and I stood up for him. But more just to, I mean, he was having a shock yeah. when Brandon messaged me, but just more just to wind Brandon up. And then it just turns out that he's gone on to be absolutely magnificent since. So, uh, so yeah, yeah. Don't worry about Always... that, Brandon. I, I, I have I have laid into Vitaly Mikolenko very heavily on this podcast. So, yeah, I've he's turning around. Humble, I, I, I'm eating humble pie as well. So, long may you continue. No, that's yep. what we want, though, isn't it? At the end of the day, like, you know, everyone should be able to express their opinion. But obviously, when it comes to a negative one about Everton, the whole point is we turn it around. And um, yeah. the, the boy, is he doing that at the moment? Sorry, Paul, you were going to say something as well at the same time. What were you saying, pal? Yeah, no, I just think, I think really, if you if you were to ask us all who our favourite Everton players, we'd all probably say Coleman, wouldn't we? Yeah, I mean, as a human being, yeah, you, yeah. I mean... He's. I'd love for him to win something at Everton. Like he's just, yeah, he's an incredible bloke. And I, I thought the way you spoke about both um, Leighton and Seamus before, when you were obviously talking about obviously um, why you named your kids Coleman and Leighton, thought you spoke really well. And I think some summed up how you know I'd say ninety five percent of us all feel about those two footballers. Yeah. Awesome. So the season so far, obviously being over in America. Um, I know that you kind of move your shifts at work. You kind of plan your social life about being able to watch Everton. So I'm presuming you've managed to watch most of the games this season, Brandon. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think I've, yeah, I don't think I've missed one yet this year. Um, getting up at 7 a.m. sometimes and cooking an early breakfast and getting the boys up sh- and ready to watch. But uh, a bit of scrapple. Yeah, a little bit of scrapple, harmony. Uh, <laughs> you know those, You'll uh, have to explain what scrapple is. So <laughs> scrapple a lot of americans probably don't even know what scrapple is it's like a east coast uh thing but it's a breakfast a breakfast meat that comes in a loaf uh that's kind of made up from all the scraps of a pig so you get the snout the heart the liver and uh you slice it up kind of like <laughs> spam and fry it but it's miles better than spam i promise but like and you're gonna try it andy when you're over in march I'm, I'm gonna whip you up some you're gonna take some yeah, mate. some some back with some dry ice and show everybody over there yeah, I'll bring it back in there. Uh, I'll uh, I'll make sure I let uh, Paul and Melinda and Jay have a go. I think I might struggle to get it to Jakey's in Canada, but yeah, I'll let all the guys. I was gonna I was gonna throw some in that care package I sent you last year, but it's got to stay refrigerated, so it wasn't possible. <laughs> Do you know what? I've still I've still not tried. I, I, everything in that care package was awesome. It's all gone apart from uh, the grits. I've not tried the grits yet. I need to. That was what you were so, most excited about, Andy. I know, I know, but you know, when you put it, you, you pack it away and then you forget it's there because it's stored in the shelf. But anyway, uh, back, to, back to football. So, uh, but yeah, so what do you, um, what have you made of Everton so far this season? Are you, are the things that you're happy with, things you're unhappy with? What's your overall feeling? Yeah, I mean, obviously, lately, uh, there's not much to be mad about, but being an Evertonian, you can't help but to think, you know, whatever game we've got next, it could all fall apart and we're back to where we are. So there's always that is this what we're working with long-term or is this just a temporary run of form? And, uh, but no, I mean, I, I think obviously our back line is finally solidified. It feels like um, I personally would, would like to see Patterson in there a little bit more um, just once again, I mean, for the long term, we've got to develop him so that 
it's not a temporary solution, just plugging Young in. And then when we need Patterson to step in, he's not ready. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think across the pitch, we're top to bottom. I think we've got the right people in place to to at least, you know, solidify his mid-table this year and, and hopefully elevate it to the next step next year. But, um, yeah, like I said, not much to not much to complain about, which is was rare for us to say. Um, but I think the addition of Jack Harrison in there a um, couple games in really helped us out. Uh, he's been solid and. Yeah, I mean, everybody really, I can't say enough about how they've been playing as of late, but just hoping that it's long-term and, and just not a, a temporary little blip. But What's well, it you shared something the other day in the group, Paul, about Harrison's assist record this, yeah. like, in the last 12 months in the Premier League? Uh, no, it, it, it was a comparison with Damari Gray from last season. Yeah. yeah, the whole of, I think Damari Gray played 33 games last season. Five goal Jack involvements. Had... Yeah, Jack Harrison's played six and he's, he's already got a better assist. More assists, sorry. I might have seen it on Twitter then because I think there was only like two or three players who have got more assists of him in the last 12 months. Mo Salah was one, Kevin De Bruyne was another, and I think maybe Bruno Fernandes or somebody else. Um, so in terms of like assists, he's on 10 in the last 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 calendar year, fourth overall. So it just... Just show because he gives you so much off the ball, doesn't he? In terms of his work rate, his endeavour, he protects the full back. He never stops running, but he's obviously got some quality too. We've seen obviously the finish that he scored uh, against Bournemouth, where he kissed the underside of bar and went in. Um, so having somebody who can deliver as well as kind of you know buy into that team ethos, which for me sums up Everton, um, is great to see. And um, what's your overall feelings on the season so far, Paul? Uh, yeah, it's been better the last few weeks, hasn't it? it was, I think it was a really hard slog at the beginning. I don't think any of us can deny that. Uh, I think our home form need for me is is a worry. We need to we need to turn Goodison into a fortress again. It's uh, you know we're not going to be there for much longer. It'd be a shame if we were to go out on the way it is at the moment for me. I mean, okay, against Brighton was okay. We beat Bournemouth and we beat Burnley, so we are actually on a bit of an upward curve, but. We do seem set up to play away from home, don't we? I think most people would would say that. So if we can sort the home form out, I think, yeah, happy days for me. But as a whole so far, yeah, I just wanted a little bit of stability and not to be worried so much. So I'm actually, yeah, um, nice little bit of breathing room between us and the bottom three. That's all I want. I just want to stay up this season, get to this new stadium and then reevaluate and go again. Home form is a little bit of a weird one, though, isn't it? Because in, in years past, you know, people have justified the home form based off of, you know, the, the the aura in the stadium and the fans giving the players stick. And it's not the case this year. Like, the fans have, for the most part, backed the players. And, yeah, I'd, I'd be interested to figure out what it is about the home form and how we can turn that around. But mm. So, we've got – we're moving into – it doesn't seem since too long ago since the transfer window closed, but we're only six weeks away from it opening up again. I'll come to you first, Paul. If you could make one sign-in, you can either say a player or a position that you'd like us to make in January. What would you be looking to do if you were you were Kevin Farewell at this moment in time? Oh, it's a tough question. That I'd still like to see us have a uh, creative midfielder, like a James Madison type. We're never going to get James Madison. I don't mean him, but a James Madison type of player. Who that is, I don't know. Who we could go out and buy, I don't know. Obviously, a right-back as well, I think... Maybe stop all the arguing, the infighting between fans at the moment. It's because I just do not think that Sean Dyche likes Nathan Patterson. I just don't think he's solid enough for him as a defender. He's only 21, so he's got a lot of time. I think he will be okay. 
Well, you know, it says something when we're waiting for the 35-year-old Seamus Coleman to get fit so we can come straight back into the team. Um, yeah. We should have sorted that out by now. We should have somebody already made replacement for him. and we, we don't seem to have that at the moment. I'd like it to be Patterson, but it's not. So if you were to push me and say one player position, sorry, to sign in the summer, I'll say it right back. What about yourself, Brandon? What would you go for if you were bring one position to strengthen in January? Where do you? Yeah, think I would agree. I would, I would probably agree. Uh, I mean, to that point, both kind of a left back and a, and a right back as well. But yeah, if, if Dice doesn't see whatever he's wanting to see in, in Patterson, um, I would agree that we need some coverage because Sheamus is uh, unfortunately, I feel like uh, kind of like Tim Howard did, just kind of outstayed his his prime and then that's the impression that people were left with of that player. And I don't think Seamus deserves that for, for what he's gone through for our club and everything he's done. Um, I think, I think he has a, a little bit left in the tank, but um, I don't think we can be relying on him week in and week out. If, if anything happens to young or, or Patterson, but um, yeah. And then some coverage for Mikalenko wouldn't be bad either. Yeah. Cool. There's a few positions, isn't there really? Cause you think if, please God, no, if, if Tarkovsky or Brantwit, if something's still happened to them, the backup's not good, is it? Let's yeah. be honest. Yeah. It's really not. So we probably yeah. we could we could need another centre back. So yeah. What do you yeah. think, Andy? Who, who would where would you like to see us improve the most? Yeah, I think the the positions that you guys have said I, I completely agree with. I think I'm torn between another centre half or somebody like you could play in the same position that you described, or James Madison type player. Somebody who can get on the ball in between the lines, happy to receive the ball further up the pitch and can also uh, pick a pass. Um, but then you also think, well, the core, whilst yeah. he, he, he's playing that position at the moment and he's invaluable to the way Everton play. You're also then thinking, well, you know, we've still got the dream that Deli Ali's going to come back and find his form. He's going to be in that kind of role. Uh, Ashley Young to me is getting better and better each week. I agree at 38, he's not a long-term solution, but you know, if Nathan Patterson is going to be training alongside Ashley Young and Seamus Coleman every day, you'd like to think that's going to help him improve his development. So I probably, that being said, I'd, I'd probably like a, a another centre back if we could get another, you know, centre back to compete with uh, Tarkovsky and Branthwaite. I would, uh, yeah, that's where I would be looking to go. But would you not? Would you not Eric Dyer? Um, I, I don't know I, why I, I've just I, come up with that. I just, I just seen that he, you know, he's. I know he's in the team at the moment, but it's only through injuries, isn't he? And he's going to want to yeah. go to the Euros. I, I mean, Eric Dyer, he's one of them that seems to get quite a lot of stick. And it always seems to go over the top. Uh, not to the extent of Harry Maguire, but in a similar vein. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I think Eric Dyer's a, a, a solid footballer. Um, how old is he now? Is he 30, would we say? Yeah, possibly, yeah. So, it's, it's not a terrible age. And again... You know, we don't have the biggest squad. He can cover in centre midfield at right back as well as centre half. So he's, he's the kind of player that I, I wouldn't be massively against, but it would all come down to wages and and, and cost of the transfer fee because we all know Daniel Levy's a, an absolute nightmare to deal with. So I've seen a few rumours, and it, you know, it's only rumours on on Twitter and stuff like that. Seem to be linked with a lot of young players from Italy, yeah. like um, lots of young strikers and midfielders, which is good, which just shows you that they're casting the net out and you, they're looking for the future, which I'm happy with. Happy days for me, lads. You can bring a few more young players in. Yeah, I am I'm, I think that's what we should be looking to do, is looking to buy kind of cost-effective older players to bring experience in. 
but when we invest proper money, invest it in in younger talents. But you know, we've got a really useful spine at the moment when you're looking at you know you Branthwaite, James Garner, Amadou Anana. Um, so yeah, I think spend the bigger money on players that you can develop, and then either they can become a massive success for you, or they raise funds further down the line. But I'm also you know, had a bit of uh, experience and, you know, got Ashley Young, relatively modest wages on a free transfer. And I do think he's getting better each week. Um, and yeah, I, do. I know the way he conducts himself behind the scenes is apparently very, very good. So that's a really good example. So, you know, I have a question. You always want those. Another oh. question. I'll come to you first, Brandon. Let's say in January, uh, Jared Brantwick continues the way he is. If at Manchester City, Man United, Whoever come in with seventy five million for Jared Brantwaite, would you sell him? And do you think the club would sell him? Would I sell him? Absolutely not. Would Everton sell him? Uh, that's kind of what worries me. Uh, saw something floating around on on Facebook yesterday that United wanted him for sixty million, and I jokingly put, "Don't even sit at the table with him for less than a hundred. But um, I mean, he's he's going to be playing for England soon, right? So, um, and we all know English players are pretty highly sought after in the Premier League, so. Uh, I think we've got one of the, you know, probably the best English center back in, in the league at the moment. Um, and I think we've got to do everything that we can do to hold on to him, him and Onana both, um, and just build the team around them. But whether we're able to do that or not is is what worries me. Um, yeah. I'm, just sick of fall- I'm sick of falling in love with players and uh, what they do for the team and then having to say bye, you know, a year later once <laughs> once everybody realizes how good they are. But that's that's the cycle, it seems, though, isn't it? But. Um, but no, I definitely would not sell him for anything less than ninety or a hundred. I don't think. But yeah, that's what I'm saying. Do you think they'll smell blood because of what's going on, supposedly going on behind the scenes with Everton that we're in a bit of a financial mess and everything? Do you think the club, the Sharks, are circling for Everton for the likes of Onana and Brantwood? Yeah, and, and I mean, if it's about money for us, I think that we've we've got some other options. If we're after money, I'd rather sell you know three or four of the squad players that we've got on the bench now that we've got some depth and and keep hold of those you know, elite players that we do have and, and, you know, hopefully get the money that we need for whatever from not our two best players um, is the the business venture that, or the business route that I would take with it, but I'm not the one making those calls, but. Yeah. Andy, do you think they will be tempted to sell an old Anna or brand in January? I think from reading between the lines of what Kevin Thurwell has been talking about in the sense of that, I think the remit that we're working on at the moment is we kind of we do have to essentially create our own stars and then sell them to kind of then go and hopefully spend that money better. But I think it's a difficult one for any of us to answer, really, isn't it? Until we know whether the seven seven deal gets approved and goes through, um, do they actually have money, or you know, is one of our favourite listeners right and that they're the doomed to fail? Um, are they, you know? If they don't go through, who comes in? So I think the landscape between now and next summer is probably going to change quite a lot, depending on how who our next owners are. But you know, if Everton do continue this momentum, they do get the right owner in with the new stadium coming. You know, it's an exciting place to be. So we just got to continue to try and make it as exciting as we can to keep these players players at the club. Um, so that's a long way of saying I don't know, Paul. <laughs> be all right. When we win the Carabao Cup, we'll be okay, won't we? And they'll want to stay because we'll be in Europe <laughs> next season, so we'll be all right then. 
At some point, though, like at some point, you just have in the back of your head, like, when are we going to stop being a selling club and actually like yeah. build a team around our best players? Like, it's just, it's just fucking old, to be honest. Like, yeah. every year, every two years, it seems like we sell our best players and we're starting from scratch every year again and again. Like, somebody has to come along at some point and be like, this is enough. We're holding on to these guys and, and build a team around those guys. But yeah, because if you're, if you're the sporting director or director of football, like Kevin Pell, well, if you look at Everton's team sheet and you have Jordan Pickford, Jared Brantweet, Amadou Onana, and Dominic Calvert-Lewin. I mean, you just say build your whole team around them, don't you? That, yeah. that spine of Everton's team is just brilliant. It is off the it, it potentially one of the best in the league. Potentially. Potentially. Let's hope we get to see it come to fruition at Everton. Um, yeah. But before we wrap up uh, the podcast, we're going to finish on a really positive note. So, I'll come to you first, Paul, and then we'll finish with you, Brandon. What's the most exciting thing about Everton at this moment in time? Got to be the stadium, hasn't it? It has to be. It's just, you know, you're seeing pictures of that every other day now and it's just it's from, from nothing, from a cone, from that famous cone video to what, you see, <laughs> to what you're seeing now. It's a, it, it's really special. You know, we, we did a podcast in the pub just facing it, the Bramley Moor pub, and it's just... It's a sight of a whole, like, and it should be. It should be exciting, but it's just got to get it. Like, I think Kevin Talbot he's done a uh, podcast this week, hasn't he? Saying that he wants to have a, a team worthy of that stadium. But to answer your question, I think it's the stadium. It's got to be. Just uh, just going on the stadium when um, Brandon last came over, uh, we caught up in May when we went to the Bournemouth game together. Uh, you you purposely got your Airbnb, didn't you, across the water directly facing the stadium and. Uh, it's got a massive veranda with a pair of binoculars so you could uh, like look into it. Um, how impressed are you by the stadium? Yeah, it looks nice. Uh, that was one of the first um, things I messaged the Airbnb host. I was like, hey, we're coming over. We're big Everton fans. And uh, can you see Bramley Moore from the window? <laughs> and she was like, yeah, you've got literally a perfect view. It was right across the Mersey from it. And she had binoculars set out for us. So waking up every morning and seeing that. and uh, But yeah, it's it's beautiful. And I think... Yeah, we'll have definitely have some good pints down there, Andy, and hopefully some good times on the school board as well. Um, but yeah, I can't say, yeah, it's, it's going to be great. Uh, what, two times ago, Andy, we went down and, and kind of checked out where it was going to be before they started building it and I had a pint right there at the... Uh, yeah, the all the... Yeah, the Bramley Moor and all the guys, like it was empty apart from the guys from the abattoir around the corner coming in for their lunchtime pint. And uh, I, I was worried Sharonica was going to feel a little bit uncomfortable in there, but she left <laughs> it. She was straight on the Nuki Brown Ale, weren't she? Yep. Um, but yeah, I think, I mean, the most exciting thing for me outside of the stadium right now is getting Dominic Calvert-Lewin to, to where we all know that he can be and should be on, on the on the score sheet. Uh, it seems like he's definitely heading in the right direction. So I think if we get got the most out of him, uh, we should be pretty happy at the end of the season and not be in a, scrap like we have been the last two yeah you Andy um yeah I think what you touched upon before Paul I think it's the the spine of the team Pickford Branthwaite James Garner Amadou Anana Calvert-Lewin you've got you know for a goalkeeper Jordan Pickford's just coming into his prime age-wise Calvert-Lewin for his position he's just coming into his prime age-wise and then I think with Branthwaite and Anna and Garner I think you've got three players that you can you know you can hang your hat on and start building your team around and it's been a while since I 
felt that with Everton. I think we've been such a mismatch all over the shop. Um, not not setting a base to build from. That's what uh, I'm excited about. I just hope we uh, just hope we go ahead and do it now. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, you're right. Um, but no, thanks very much for joining us uh, today, Paul. As always, Brandon, thanks very much for making your debut. Hopefully, uh, hopefully you've enjoyed it, and we can get you back on again towards the end of the season, and it will be another positive podcast while we uh, celebrate. Yeah. We'll cup winners and winning time, the cup. <laughs> Excellent stuff, mate. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. No worries. Been a pleasure. Thanks for listening, and up the toffees. Up the toffees. Sports Social Podcast Network.